You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today is a celebratory day for a lot of you fans who have been wanting to see this happen for a long time. Lance Stevenson has officially signed his contract with the Pacers for the rest of this season. What's his deal? What does it mean? What does it mean for the rest of the team? We'll break down all that today. And Eastern Conference All-Star Reserve officially named no Pacers involved. No surprises there, but what does that mean for the Pacers? Did they have any chances? I want to talk about that for a segment, but the big story in Pacerland, Lance Stevenson officially signs his deal with the Pacers. The reason I held off on talking about this yesterday when the reporting came out that it could happen is I wasn't sure with Sabonis and health and safety protocols if what the Pacers would do is do one more 10-day with Lance with the hardship exception to get through the trade deadline before they signed him for the rest of the season trade deadline now just six days away, which is unbelievable. But the Pacers opt not to do that, opt to sign Lance for the rest of the season. In my original column, I predicted they would just do it right away anyway when I wrote about this because they're probably tired of doing the dance, first of all. It's just annoying. And if you're Lance and you've fought through four 10 days and risked injury for over a month to not get the rest of this contract, he was probably like, no, I'm not doing, you know, I don't want to do another one in it. He has all the right in the world to say that, you know, even though he hasn't been in the league for a while, there becomes a point where he has clearly been the Pacers backup point guard for over a month that he can say, come on, like it's been 44 days, let's get this done. So the Pacers and Lance officially agree to the deal. The reporting is, and I have heard that it is a one-year minimum deal, nothing on future seasons. So it's just for the rest of the season. No team option next year, nothing like that. So they'll have to re-circle around and discuss again in the offseason if they want to bring Lance back or not. Who knows what the team We'll be thinking there, uh, you know, it, that will become more clear maybe after the trade deadline when when the Pacers roster and and summer planning can be a little more set in place. But right now, you know, it seems like they'll have to circle back and negotiate if they want Lance back next year. But that's the deal. His cap hit for the rest of the season is about 640000 a little bit more than that. Pacers are about $1.4 shy of the tax now. That is another number that matters for the trade deadline. And another reason I thought they might wait to do this because of that tax number, but not a huge deal, especially if Sabonis doesn't end up being named an injury replacement for All-Star or anything like that. That's a bonus they're not having to pay out this season. So Lance, look, this is well-deserved. I mean, since he joined the team on January 2nd, it basically was exactly a month from his first game to signing the rest of season deal. He played in every game for the Pacers, and he played in over 10 minutes in every single game except for the win in L.A. against the Lakers. Right, He basically became the backup point guard immediately because Brogdon only played one or two games uh, since he joined the team. McConnell's been out the whole time. So Kiefer Sykes and him had some overlap in there, and and you know they played alongside each other for a little bit. Sykes was playing well over 30 minutes a game as a starter when Lance joined the team, if you want to know how far this team has come when Levert was out too. But Lance ended up outplaying him you know, soon after joining the team, he had that obviously the 20 point quarter in the 30 point game and then followed that up with 16 and 14, had the 14 and 10 game against the Hornets, the 17 point game in Phoenix, two double digit scoring games this weekend. And he deserved this. Like if you're the backup point guard, 
and you're a fan favorite for a team that is 19 and 34, just lost to Orlando. That's kind of exactly what this team needs is a jolts, that fan favorite guy to bring juice every day. Like it was all, you know, it wasn't quite Lynn Sanity. It didn't last nearly as long, but there was a little time where it was looking like it could be trending that direction when he had the 30 point game and followed it up with the, the big assist game. And he, it just, it just provides a jolt to other players that's unmatched, even if it doesn't necessarily reflect in the numbers, they all are in a better mood, which matters for, for camaraderie reasons and stuff. So they didn't actually play that well, you know, right after he joined the team outside of the Utah win. In fact, the first two and a half weeks, he was on the team. They only won once. So it's not like he was having this profound impact on winning, but the vibes matter a lot for a 19 and 34 team. And I've been a Lance detractor for a few years now, but this is the season to have him when you're not very good and your fan interest is pretty low and you're just trying to keep good spirits around the team and good spirits in the locker room. That is when you need Lance Stevenson to, to give a jolt to your young guys, to provide some energy on the court. So guys can't be fading out and uninterested and, it helps that he's actually been a little bit better than he was his last stint, to me at least, with the Pacers, especially in the passing department. You know, just being able to throw a little more than basic passes has helped him look a little better uh, than he has than other Pacers, first of all. But then he has even like his last season with the Pacers, that 20, uh, 2017 18 season, he was averaging under three assists per game. And now in less minutes per game than he was playing that year, he's over four, right? His passing it has been much better in this stint than it was last time. So per minute, uh, his assist are at 8.2 per 36. That is a career best, right? That is, I think, the best way of displaying why Lance has been so valuable to the team so far is he has stepped up his game, especially in the passing department, in the ways that Carlisle has needed him to. And the Pacers will need him to continue to be that guy going forward. Who knows when Brogdon's going to come back? He's still shut down. He's out against the Bulls tonight already declared. You know, this is the was the first game after that 10-day Achilles shutdown period for him so I was curious if he would maybe have a doubtful designation or something he's already listed as out so he's not playing McConnell's out still for probably a month more now they have maybe not quite a month but probably a month more you know they need Lance in the rotation I mean Levert's the starter for now but who knows what Karis Levert's future holds Lance might have a big rotation spot on this Pacers team going forward they lock him up for the minimum they'll have non-bird rights to sign him in the offseason they could sign him to another minimum deal if they want there, there's a lot of things that make it it'll, it'll be easy to retain Lance if the Pacers actually want to it's not a big deal that there's no options or anything on the second year of that but honestly Lance probably said you guys strung me on with, with four straight 10 days can I just be a free agent at the end of the season so we can renegotiate from there and they're like sure so I don't I don't know how the negotiations went because the Pacers do like to slap those those team options on the back of deals they've done it with a lot of guys on minimums recently Keelan Martin O'Shea Brissett Kiefer Sykes for example, so maybe they wanted it, maybe they didn't. I don't know. But Lance deserved this. He's been good for the team. He's got a rotation spot locked up. The cap hit's not crippling or anything like that. And it, it was time. It was frankly, it was time. They're, they couldn't sign him to another 10-day unless they used the hardship. So just get it done. Get it over with. Now you don't have to think about it. You can plan around it at the deadline instead of, you know, the flexibility would have been nice. And that's something I was pushing for for a while and trying to explain to people. is like the reason they keep doing this is just in case the perfect trade opportunity pops up or something like that. But now I think, and I'll talk about this in the next segment, that he's ahead of Kiefer in the rotation. They would, you know, they might just get rid of Kiefer if they need flexibility anyway instead of Lance. So just it'll cost them a little more money now that they did it this way. Barely any, though. I mean, like 
like $10,000. And at that point, just do it now. Have him locked up. Get it done. No planning is all done. So Lance on the team for the rest of the season. He will probably, unless McConnell returns and or the Pacers get a point guard, unless McConnell returns and the Pacers get another point guard in a trade, I would say he'll probably play in every game for the rest of the season. I mean, who knows what will happen with Jeremy Lamb at the trade deadline, but they'd probably put Lance over Lamb as the two guard. Uh, to me, at least, they, that's something they would do after the deadline. What's what's the point of playing Jeremy Lamb at that point? So I'd imagine he'll play in a, almost every game for the rest of the season unless trades happen where other you know wings or shooting guards or point guards come into this team. So well-deserved from him. Good bit of business by him to come into this franchise where he, he always seems to step up and play well and is embraced by the fans and do well. And now for fans, they get to watch Lance Stevenson for the rest of the season. What does this mean for the rest of the roster and the cap sheet? Let's talk about that, especially with, again, the trade deadlines in six days now. It's coming up before you know it. Let's talk about that. But first, let's talk about the good people over at Bet Online who have you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. As football continues its march right through the playoffs, the big game is coming up in just over a week. Can you believe it? BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. Bet Online has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL action, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is where the game starts. Lance is here for the rest of the season. We'll talk about it for one more segment here, what it means for the rest of the team. And thank you, as always, guys, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen every single day locked on bulls could be a good second listen for you if you're trying to get a read on the pacers opponent or any team that is talking about what their trade deadline could look like because i know a lot of people are interested in that from a pacers perspective as this comes up like i said in the first segment just over six hundred forty thousand dollar cap hit for lance for the season now that includes the two 10 days that he already has been cap hitted for that's very poor words to say but whatever um he can't be traded as part of this, uh, he can't be no player who after they get signed can be traded for three months. So he can't be traded uh, at the deadline or anything like that. So he is un- unless the Pacers get like five point guards and shooting guards and trades or something, he's safe on the team for the rest of the season. What does that mean for other guys, though? And particularly, there's one guy I, that this segment is kind of based around, and that is Kiefer Sykes, because, you know, Kiefer Sykes did a very good job right when he joined the team of. You know, filling in as a starter and being a stopgap and really being better than Brad Wanamaker was a big part of of why he was so valuable to the team right after he joined. But, you know, the Pacers are now in a spot where if they get a there's something else about Kiefer Sykes that matters here that I'll get to in a second. But if they get an awesome trade where they're sending out one of their available guys, Turner, Levert, whatever vet Craig holiday or lamb or whatever. They get a really good two for one trade that they love, but they have to bring in two guys to do that. They would have to cut someone. You know, if you go back to the first in season trade, Kevin Pritchard made in charge of the Pacers. He, he, he got Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin from Houston and got a second round pick for taking them immediately cut those guys, but they needed a roster spot to make that trade happen. So they had to cut EK Anibogu to make that happen. Right. Sometimes you have to clear roster spots to do beneficial trades. And so they had already waived Keelan Martin, the Pacers have. They already have, have cut ties with uh, Keelan Martin and Brad Wanamaker this season. The only guys left on minimum deals right now for the Pacers are O'Shea Brissett and Kiefer Sykes. And Sykes cannot be traded. Kiefer Sykes was signed in late December. There's a three-month period after a player gets signed 
in which they can be dealt. So it's not like Sykes can just be thrown on top of any deal like other minimum players and be dealt. So the reason Kiefer Sykes matters to me the most of any other player on the roster in this Lance roster shuffle discussion is if the Pacers now have to cut someone to free up a roster spot, it's probably going to be Kiefer Sykes to me. Lance has been, like I said in the first segment, has been in the rotation every day since he got signed and played over 10 minutes in all but one game, that Lakers game where he played 625, where Brogdon Brogdon was back for that game. So they had a more concrete guard rotation where Levert could even be the backup one a little bit. Lance didn't really have it in his first half stint. That it didn't it, it didn't not make sense in the moment or anything like that. Kiefer, on the other hand, since his big stint where he was playing 30 minutes a game, you know, that he plays 22 minutes against Boston and then plays four minutes and 40 seconds the next game. And then two nights later, he plays 241. And then that same Lakers game I just mentioned, Kiefer does not play at all. And then Brogdon goes down and Levert was out for a little bit, so Kiefer starts again. And then since then, since that game in Phoenix, Kiefer Sykes has played about 26 minutes in total in about 12 days. He didn't play against New Orleans. He didn't play against OKC. 11 minutes in a blowout against the Hornets. And then five and a half minutes against Dallas. 12 seconds against the Clippers. And nine, a little over nine minutes against the Magic earlier this week. He's behind Lance in the rotation. And so he seems like the guy who, you know, he's got, the, they all have their guaranteed money at this point. It's not, the, the only thing they'd be losing is a spot in the NBA or on the Pacers roster specifically if they get waived. But, you know, I don't, I, if it, this only matters if the Pacers get some, blown away with some awesome deal, that's a two for one trade, but they're not going to cut O'Shea Brissett. So this Kiefer Sykes is, is now the the guy with the most likely chance to be waived to facilitate a trade for the Pacers. I think he's a guy that is negatively impacted here. And by keeping Lance the rest of the season, you know, if you're Kiefer Sykes, who has a team option next season, is fighting to stay in the NBA, it's going to be harder for him to get minutes going forward. He's probably the loser of all this just because it'll be harder for him to play, but he, he's been worse than Lance. It doesn't, you know, it's not like a, it's not something that it really hurts the Pacers on or off the court. It's just, it's a bummer for Sykes who has a cool story and really provided them some solid minutes right after he was signed. He's the biggest loser to me. No one else is really negatively impacted. I mean, maybe Jeremy Lamb loses his minutes if he's still on the team post break. Um, but but that's the big one to me is how th- this impacts Kiefer Sykes pretty substantially in terms of his career arc and and how the Pacers navigate going forward. Now, his cap hit Sykes is, is pretty small. So the Pacers wouldn't lose a ton in just cutting him outright if they had to. And I don't think they're going to. But, you know, unless the trade market dictates that. But, uh, it, you know, he is the I think he's the loser here. And, and there's a chance this ends up coming to bite him a little bit. But I don't you know that they would not cut him unless a trade forced them to that. That's what I was trying to say just a second ago is that Sykes is probably safe unless the Pacers get, again, an insanely awesome offer that they need to open a roster spot to do. So that is. That is my only big impact on the roster, you know, is, is Sykes and a little bit of Lamb. But in general, I mean, we already seen what Lance's role is. He's been playing every game, playing big minutes in some games, double digits their last two games, six assists in their last game. Like, he's going to keep playing going forward. It doesn't change the rotation at all, especially because McConnell Brogdon might be out for a while. So there's not a ton of ripple effects on the rest of the team. And his cap hit's not so big that it, it really changes anything. At the trade deadline, they have about 550000 less wiggle room with the tax now, which is a really, really, really small amount. I mean, that's an astronomically small amount. If you need to change a trade to sneak in $550,000 more to deal with the tax, then that trade was already either you know barely legal or 
you know, you can't if you can't fit a minimum in there, your, your team situation is a uh, is a little too rigid. So it's not like such a big deal. It, obviously, when you're only 1.4 million away from the tax, you like all the flexibility you can get. But you know, again, not a huge deal. Not something the Pacers can't manage at the trade deadline. And and I say this from my position. You know, they know what offers they have and what's available to them. If they already knew they had a slam dunk thing that Lance's deal would ruin or make harder, they wouldn't have signed him for the rest of the season, especially with other options to ink him temporarily going forward. So it seems like the Pacers would know what they're doing. They have all the information. They're not stupid. So not a ton of impact on the rest of the roster, not a large impact on the cap sheet or anything like that. Just just something to monitor for Kiefer Sykes, certainly, and maybe a little bit Jeremy Lamb. But I, you know, I don't think it changes the likelihood that Lamb is, that anyone is traded or not traded anymore. I just think that it's a, a small cap sheet update and then a little bit of reason for Kiefer Sykes to be worried about his spot on the team. If, again, only if, a huge, awesome slam dunk trade for the Pacers opens up. But they have no reason to just cut Sykes outright. I mean, they have no reason to sign a buyout guy. So unless, unless like, they find the next O'Shea Brissett just chilling out there, seems like everyone's safe in their current spot on the team. Just if a slam dunk trade opens up in the next six days, Kiefer Sykes has to worry about that. And I think that was worth mentioning in this segment as you know, Lance earned this deal for the rest of the season. And Lance's cap hit is a little bigger than Sykes for the rest of the season, too, which makes it easier to waive Kiefer and save or and, and lose the least amount of money that you're spending on an asset that's not on your team anymore. So Lance has earned the spot. There's very little total impact on the team since he's already in the rotation. His cap, it was already established and stuff like that, but just a little bit of change to Kiefer Sykes mentality and what the Pacers are able to do in trades because they have to waive someone to do a two for one now, but nothing huge deadlines in six days. And again, they know the offers they have, they know what they're up against. So they, they would not shoot themselves in the foot. So we'll see what happens with this. We'll see if anything comes of Sykes' spot on the team at the deadline. But I would I would guess right now that it won't end up mattering. But maybe it's something to monitor just because Sykes can't be traded or included in anything like that at the deadline because of when he was signed. Last thing I want to talk about today, and this also relates to the salary cap, all-star reserves have been named in the Eastern Conference. I got... A couple wrong. If you want to go back and listen to my predictions with Shane Young from a few weeks ago, you should do that. It was also a Friday show. But let's talk about the reserves, if the Pacers had any shot, and why it affects their cap sheet. But first, guys, let's talk about the good folks over at Built Bar who are making the best-tasting protein bars ever. They have this peanut butter brownie-flavored protein bar that is so good. It tastes like a candy bar. It's absolutely delicious. What makes Built Bar so good is most protein bars are disgusting, and they're actually good. They're 100% covered in chocolate protein bars that come in a ton of different flavors. They have a Puffs line that has, like, marshmallow flavoring in all of them. They have, again, a ton of just normal flavors. They had holiday flavors in December that were delicious. And not only are they delicious, they're super healthy. That makes it easier for you trying to stick to a New Year's resolution, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to stay at the same weight. Whatever you want to do, Built Bar can be in your plan. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. They're delicious. They're healthy. There's no reason not to try them, even if you're not a huge fan of working out. They have been helpful for me to enjoy a good lunch at work and get through the day. You got to try them. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That promo code, again, LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Can you believe it? The 19 and 34 Pacers did not get an all-star this season very unsurprising. No one on the Pacers deserved to be an all-star in the Eastern Conference. Though, to be fair, last year, Sabonis barely deserved it and had to be an injury replacement to even get in. He was very close. He was right on the fringe. This year, 
I think anyone who's watched the Pacers knows Sabonis is the only one with a shot. Brogdon's good when he plays. He hasn't played nearly enough. Levert has not been good enough to be an all-star at all. No one else on the team even has any sort of chance to be considered in this discussion. All the guys that I put in my all-star team in reserves, I had Jarrett Allen as a reserve, and instead of him, it was Chris Middleton. I got all the rest correct. I am surprised that that Chris Middleton made it over Jared Allen. I'm not going to lie. There will be an injury replacement for Durant, so perhaps Jared Allen can still make it. Perhaps Sabonis can still make it as an injury replacement. The guys to look out for in that spot would be Sabonis, Jalen Brown, Jared Allen, uh, Drew Holiday did not end up making it, but it seems like the the Pacers are not going to have an all-star this season for the first time since 2014-15, the year Paul George was injured. And before that, I think it was Paul George's second or third season in the NBA over a decade ago, the last time a healthy Pacers team did not have an all-star at all. Very jarring to see that given the history of this franchise in, in the last decade and recent seasons and stuff like that. And they don't really have an argument. They, the guys who made it again, I don't know if I read the list off or not, as reserves are James Harden, Jason Tatum, Levine, Fred Van Vliet, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, and Darius Garland. All well-deserving. All on good teams. I think that was a theme this year, especially because the Raptors had this late surge. I mean, all those teams are playoff or play-in or better teams. Every team with a winning record in the East, except for the Hornets, got an all-star this season. And LaMelo was, I guess, close. But no, no, they didn't really deserve one to me. So that was kind of it. Success was a big factor. And last year, remember, the Pacers were fourth. They were they were starting their slides, certainly. But they were fourth when Sabonis got named as the injury replacement for Durant last year. And they fell to ninth like two days later. But they were fourth at the time. Like the record and being having a winning record and all that really matters in these discussions, especially when coaches are picking. You know, that they, they know what teams are good and what aren't and how difficult game planning is. So Sabonis did not really have a shot this year. And I don't think he'll be the replacement for Durant. If, if a couple other guys get hurt, perhaps he's got a shot. But it seems like you know all those guys are maybe Jimmy Butler gets hurt or something. He's missed time this year. But and, and if there's no other injuries, it seems like there'll only be one injury replacement. I would guess it's either Drew or Jared Allen. We'll see what ends up happening. But Sabonis did not make it. I don't think he. I mean, last year he barely made it. Right, he was out and then became the injury replacement that Adam Silver named. Last year, he was 20 points, 12 rebounds, 6.7 assists. This year, 19 points, that's lower. Five assists, that's almost two lower. And 12.1 rebounds, that's 0.1 higher, right? So he, just in the per-game stats, in only one minute less, has been worse in most categories, though he is shooting the ball less this season and and is not creating in the same ways he was last year. He's definitely used differently. Like, I don't want to say, oh, his per game numbers are down. That's why he's not making it. Anyone who's watched the Pacers understands why and stuff like that. And, you know, his usage is over 2% down. His turnover rate's about the same. Like, a lot of the stuff of the numbers suggests, yeah, you know, numerically he's been a little worse this year in a smaller role, but he has been more efficient and things like that as well. He's still been very good. He's still one of the best probably 20 players in the conference, but it's only 12 13 if you count the replacement who are going to make this all-star squad in the east Sabonis did not did not deserve it he did not have a chance this year like he did last year where people thought he was going to make it even before he was named the injury replacement reserve so no Sabonis in the all-star game Duarte like we talked about yesterday will be at all-star weekend in the 
Rising Stars Challenge. We've seen the dunk contest participants, no Pacers there. So the only other chance that the Pacers have to win an All-Star weekend besides Duarte is a three-point shootout person, which is hilarious to think about. I mean, the Pacers shooting this year has been so mad that no one even has a shot. McDermott, I always thought the last couple seasons could be a guy who is in the three-point contest, but uh, Justin Holiday is quietly up to 38%, but they don't have anyone who is even above 36%, which is typically about league average this year. It's a little lower, but they have no one who deserves to be in that. Maybe someone's in the skills contest, but if, if you're not... You know, usually the guys in the skills contest are already at All-Star Weekend, so uh, unlikely the Pacers have anyone else besides Duarte in the All-Star game. Sabonis not making the All-Star team unless, again, there is a small, 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 small chance he is named an injury replacement at some point. But assuming he does not, which that is going to be my assumption. I mean, Jalen Brown is more likely to get it than him. Jared Allen, like I said, Drew. It'd probably take four injuries for him to get named. He has a bonus in his contract. For $1.3 million to be named an All-Star. That likely bonus is still part of the Pacers' calculus with the hard cap and tax this year in terms of on their cap sheet. But when it comes to the end of the season and actually paying the tax, it matters how much cash was paid to players. That is a confusing distinction. It's not worth going into in detail on this podcast. If Sabonis is not named an All-Star, while the, the their, their cap sheet itself does not change, their actual real wiggle room from the tax does change that would be nice for the Pacers and that's why having these all-stars named before the trade deadline does provide the Pacers with some nice clarity uh, as they head into you know their trade negotiations maybe they're more willing they they have a little bit more wiggle room to take back a little more money uh, in theory although I don't I would not you know when you're this close to the tax you never want to risk anything like that the other factor here is if Sabonis ultimately is not named an all-star the way bonuses work is it goes from being considered likely, which does count against the cap, to unlikely, which does not count against the cap. It could, and if you listen to Wednesday's podcast talking about creative trade ideas for, for the Pacers, it could flip his bonus structure to unlikely next year and give the Pacers 1.3 more million wiggle room to either spend the MLE or spend some cap space, depending on, again, how the next six days go on the trade front or what roster they're looking at going into next free agency period. So, I'm sure Sabonis wanted to be an all-star. He was the last two seasons. He has been talented. He's the Pacers' most valuable player this season just because he he's the best player who plays the most. I mean, per minute, you all know I think it's Brogdon. But over the totality of the season, the last three years, it's been Sabonis. And he was a deserving all-star two years ago. He was a deserving all-star last year after the replacement. He does not deserve it this year. I don't think there's a question that he does not deserve it this year. And I don't think he'll be named a replacement. So Pacers get a little bit of cap wiggle room next year. Uh, and a little bit of tax breathing room this year. You shouldn't care how much money Herb Diamond spends unless he's willing to spend more next year. But all that matters, or in future seasons in general, but all that matters to you, the fan, is Duarte will be the guy at All-Star Weekend, no Sabonis. And this could, in theory, allow the Pacers to be a little more flexible at the trade deadline. If you have any more thoughts about All-Star stuff, or if you think I'm underselling Sabonis' case this season, you can yell at me on Twitter, at TEastNBA, for you YouTube watchers. Right there on the screen. This podcast is at Locked On Pacers. Next week is trade deadline week. Lots and lots and lots to get to then. I want to talk about the vets playing well, what rumors are out there. I'll actually talk about rumors next week because things are actually real legit around the deadline. They play a few games. Uh, they play Sunday and Tuesday before the deadline, so we'll talk about that action as well. But it'll be a fun week next week where the games are interesting and trade talks will actually start to heat up. So 
you won't want to miss all that. It's going to be really fun. I'll, I'll actually try to have more guests on this week. I tried to have people today. Poor planning on my part did not make it work out. So hope everybody enjoyed this week. Sorry for four solo shows, but next week will be fun. Lots of fun topics to get to as this team could be on the last couple days of their current four. It's going to be fascinating to see what the Pacers do. And we'll always break a dial down here on the Locked On Pacers podcast. Everybody have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Monday.